ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. I thank you for joining us. I invite you also to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. As we begin a series that will focus on the life and ministry of this man named Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. The pages of our Bible are filled with the accounts of men that seem larger than life. People like Moses and David and Daniel and Paul and others all seem to be characters that are so far above the realm of our own experience that we may feel like we can never be like them. However, I'll let you in on a secret this morning. All of these people were just that. They were people, human beings, empowered by God. The fellow in our text this morning is no different. When I read about the life and the ministry of Elijah, I am amazed at the courage and his power with God. Yet I'm reminded that the word of God, that Elijah, according to James 5 and 17, was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was just a man who walked in humble obedience before his God. And, as we will see, he was a man, a prophet of God, filled with courage and confrontation. I want you to see that God can take a nobody and make a somebody out of him. God can take any life that will be totally yielded to his will and use that life for his glory. Thus, our goal. This morning is to see whether or not we possess this kind of life within ourselves. If not, you certainly have the opportunity to get where God can use you. Now let's look at this verse together. For in it we find much information about Elijah. First we would note that Elijah is a common man. This verse tells us that Elijah was from a place called Tishbe in the region known as Gilead. Now, Gilead was a rough, mountainous area known for its high peaks and its deep valleys. The very name Gilead in its Hebrew form means rugged and raw. This tells us that Elijah was sort of a backwoods man. When he stepped onto the scene and he began his ministry, his methods, his mannerisms, and his message were as rough and rugged as the place he called home. 
Why, even his dress, according to 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse 8, Elijah's method of dress was as strange as anything else we knew about him. We're given an interesting insight into the prophet Elijah in the book of James. The Bible said Elias, New Testament form of Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Now as one follows the life of Elijah, it becomes abundantly clear that he was a mere mortal. He was a man with a fiery temper who was prone to bouts of depression. He also suffered from loneliness due to the life of solitude from which he would minister. The emphasis here is that the Lord is not looking for spiritual giants to use for his glory. He's simply looking for people who are readily obeying his word and following him where he directs and leads. You see, nothing at all is known about Elijah until he steps on the scene in the presence of King Ahab. He was a nobody from nowhere, but he was handpicked by the Lord God to do his will and to carry his message to a wayward nation. This serves as a reminder for all of us, God doesn't need the rich. He doesn't need the educated, the intelligent, the beautiful, or the movers and shakers of this world to get his work done. God has chosen to work through the lives of men and women who will simply yield themselves to the will of God and who, like Isaiah, say, Here am I, send me, in Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Bottom line is this. God wants your obedient surrender to his will more than he wants anything else you could ever give him. Elijah was a common man. But we also see that Elijah was a very courageous man. The king of Israel during the time of Elijah was a little toad of a man named Ahab. And according to the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 16 verse 30 and verse 33, Ahab was the most wicked king that ever squatted upon the throne of Israel. Besides that, he was married to a wretchedly evil woman named Jezebel, and she was the daughter of the king of Zidon. This, too, was an offense to the Lord. Jezebel was from a group of people who were ardent Baal worshipers. And she, along with her husband Ahab, did more to introduce the worship of Baal to the people of Israel than any other ruling family. And this would produce a state of affairs in Israel where people lost all regard for the commandments of God. And that's illustrated in 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 34 where a man named Hiel, the Bethlehite, attempted to rebuild Jericho. This was in direct disobedience to a clear command of God that he issued in Joshua 6 and verse 26. Yet it was to this king that God sent the prophet Elijah. Elijah walked right into the presence of King Ahab and he delivered the message of the Lord without even flinching. He told Ahab 
that there would be no rain, there would be no dew, absolutely no moisture until he said there would be. And it took courage, my friend, to defy that wicked ruler. Might I add that each of us needs to manifest that same kind of courage. America today is headed down the same road that Israel was back then. We've sacrificed our innocence for the pleasures of the flesh. We've openly mocked the written word of God. We have turned a deaf ear to the cry of the millions of the unborn who are slain in the name of convenience every year in this country. We paid homage to the onslaught of sexually explicit programming that invades our homes on a daily basis. We've sacrificed our morality to gratify our flesh. We've watched in mock horror as our sons and our daughters yield their bodies to the perversions of premarital sex, homosexuality, lesbianism, all in the same name of calling it free love. We stand by in mute silence while the minds of our children are captivated by the siren song of prosperity, selfish indulgence, and independence from God. We pass their choice of music off as a fad. We have no say in where they go or what they do. We've watched this once great and godly nation become reduced to a stagnated cesspool of iniquity, open sin, and outright hostility to God Almighty. We've now seen what the slums and the sinners and the harlots who marched on the outskirts of town in the back alleys and sea streets of America have now marched down Main Street, running us, the Christians, off of the streets, making fun of God and proclaiming that their sin is a right. My friend, you do all you can necessary to take the word of God and stand on the foundation, the rock of ages, and proclaim that Jesus Christ is not dead and that God is still God and that America is still America and your children will not be governed by a government and that your children will not be bought, your children will not be sold. Stand up for your family. Stand up for your home. Stand up on the word of God. Stand and whatever you do, stand for your children. After Elijah was taken to heaven in a whirlwind, Elisha took Elijah's mantle and he smote Jordan and he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? This morning I would ask you, where are the Elijahs of God? Where are the Elijahs of God who would stand in truth and right and morality and integrity and say, we're not going to allow this to happen to our neighborhood. We're not going to allow this to happen in our churches. We're not going to allow this to happen in our county, our state our country because we stand on principle and we stand for the word of God. Where are the Elijahs of God? The crux 
of Elijah's message was that there would be no dew. There would be no rain until he said so. This was a direct attack against the false religion of Baal worship. Baal was the Canaanite god of fertility. He was seen by his worshipers in the thunderheads and in the rain that fell. Baal worship was usually conducted on the tops of hills where statues of Baal were built. Typically these Baal shrines were staffed by priests and priestesses. Worship was carried out through performing sexual acts with one of these ministers of Baal. It was their belief that when you were joined to a priest or a priestess in a sexual union that you literally became a god or a goddess for that period of time. One of those horrible aspects of Baal worship existed in the realm of human sacrifice. When there was time of drought, it was supposed to mean that Baal was angry with the people. And to get his attention, they would often sacrifice a firstborn child by burning it alive. It was a terrible religion that existed to simply gratify the flesh. There's much more that could be said about Baal worship, but that's enough for you to get to see why it is and was an offense to the Lord God of Israel. After all, it involved breaking many of the commandments, but especially numbers 1 through 3 and 7 through 10 of the Ten Commandments. Now, when Elijah made his announcement, in effect, he was declaring war on Baal. It took great courage to stand up before the chief promoter of that false religion and in effect say, my God is greater than Baal, and to prove it, my God's going to shut off the water spigot. There'll be no rain until I say so. And there's nothing you, Jezebel, or your fat god Baal can do about it. That took courage. Can you imagine how they must have laughed at him and mocked him? That's the kind of courage we need to see manifested in this day. This is the kind of courage that was derived from time spent with God and from angry indignation over the sins of the nation of Israel. This is the kind of courage that stands up against ridicule. This is the kind of courage that protests things like abortion, the homosexual agenda, the erosion of Christian liberty. It is the kind of courage that makes the difference for God in these days of self-indulgence. It's the kind of courage that says, I'll be different regardless of what it costs me. I'll be different regardless of what it costs my family. I will stand for God because he's never failed me 
I will stand for God because I belong to him. And I will stand to, for God because he's worthy of my service. He's worthy of my life. Are you filled with that kind of courage? Can God count on us to stand in that type of courage? Elijah was a common man. He was a courageous man, but, oh, friend, he was a committed man. His very name tells us his testimony. Let's learn a little simple Hebrew. The name Elijah means my God is Jehovah. El means God. I means my. Jah, J-A-H, means Jehovah. His name meant my God is Jehovah. And his name tells us that he had a personal relationship with the God of heaven. My friends, this is the first and the most crucial step in becoming anything for God. Until you know him, you cannot serve him. Until you know him, you cannot serve him. Has there been a time in your life when you met the God of heaven in a personal way? The only way to meet the Lord God is through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given among men, under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Are you born again? By walking into the presence of Ahab and Jezebel in the name of Jehovah, Elijah was demonstrating that in his life, and in his ministry, he was totally dependent upon the Lord. He, was, he exhibited that he had died to self in the fact that he did not count his life as dear to him. Here he is in front of the king of Israel who could have ordered his massacre very quickly on the scene right there at this in real time. But he was totally dependent on the Lord. He was not trusting the arm of flesh but he was resting in the everlasting arms of faith. There's a huge difference. Now, this is a secret of success for the child of God living in a wicked world. Only when you are totally yielded to God in total dependence will we be assured of success. You see, there's only one thing that honors God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith, according to Romans, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must come to the place where we kick out all of our props and rest totally in the hand of God of his divine providence. We must come to the place where we stop trying to do everything in our own power, 
and start trusting God to do it. We have plenty of people who live by plastic, by job, by education, by ability, by intellect, by whatever. What we need are people who will live by faith, depending on nothing but God to meet their needs and enable them to stand. Now notice the phrase Elijah used in verse 1. Before whom I stand. Elijah was standing in the presence of the king of Israel. He was standing in the presence of one of the most powerful men of his time, yet Elijah was able to see beyond all the trapping of the throne room of Israel. Elijah knew that he was standing in the presence of God. He knew that here was no need to try and please Ahab. There was no need to soft sell his message and make it more pleasing. There was only one person in that room who he had to please, and his name was Jehovah. You know, that's the place we all need to get to in our lives. If we can get beyond all the window dressing around us that we seemingly are so impressed about, and we begin to live for nothing but to please the Lord God, then we're on the road to being used by God. Elijah was a man on a mission. He desired nothing less than carrying out the will of God. Can you honestly say that you have one goal in life, and that is to carry out God's will for your life? See, Elijah was a common man. He was a courageous man. He was a committed man. But wait a minute. He was a confident man. Note that Elijah believed that God was alive. He said, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. Everyone else in the nation of Israel were living like God. Jehovah God was dead. Sound like America, doesn't it? Sound like the present day church. We need some people like Elijah who'll stand up and say, you can live like God is dead if you want to, but I'm going to live for him because he's alive in me. You see, that's what Elijah's situation incurred. God was living in him, and when God lives in you, you can't just keep quiet about God. Elijah's God was alive. He's yours. We've already alluded to James 5, verses 17 and 18, and it seems from those verses that the drought was Elijah's idea. Apparently, he was so upset with the sins of the people that he began to pray that it would not rain. Of course, that idea was placed into his heart by the Spirit of God, no doubt. And as he prayed, he received assurance that this was indeed the Lord's will. So he just marched right up to Ahab and he told him that he wasn't going to rain. And he believed that he served a God who was powerful and able to do anything. One of the tragedies in the modern church is the lack of respect of what we have for God and his ability. I just want to remind you that we serve a God who can do anything. He can meet any need. He can heal any disease. He can stop anything from taking place. He can cause anything to take place. He is God. He is all-powerful. Nothing is too hard for him. God, help us to quit living like God is dead or on vacation, and God, help us to remember that he is God all the time in every situation, regardless what we face. When we're battling sin, he's God. When we have a need, he is God. 
when we're fighting Satan and his activities, he is God. He is God all the time. Never forget that. What he did for people like Elijah, he can do for you and me. This man stood before Ahab because he had received a word from God concerning the matter. Elijah had enough sense to know that when God told him something was going to happen, it would indeed happen. My friend, God will never, never, never back away from a single promise he's made to his people. He will never desert you. He'll never leave you to flap in the breeze. If he has made a promise to you, it will be fulfilled. Elijah stirred up a hornet's nest when he made his announcement before Ahab. The point of this verse is that he stood and did what God told him to do. Elijah was a man sent from God. He was sent to a wicked people to declare that judgment was coming from the hand of God. He was not afraid to speak up. He was not afraid to expose the evils of the day. He wasn't afraid to live by faith. He wasn't afraid to put his very life in the hand of God and trust God for all the way. I just wonder how many of us this morning are just like Elijah. How many of us are trusting God to do no matter what come what may? How many of us are taking our stand for God in the midst of this wicked world? Listen to me. How many of us really know God like Elijah did? We need some Elijahs in our day. Elijah's God has not changed. Where are the Elijahs who will believe him regardless of the cost? Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.